May 25th, 2008, it's a lot from Pedro's show.
Watt from Pedro Show. <laughs> Sorry about that. We're all fouled up here. It's Sunday in sunny Pedro. Although um, it was raining this morning. It rained on me when I was pedaling. It rained yesterday. I know it's the end of May, and we don't usually have rain, but we've been getting it. Yeah, things are trippy. Yeah, they are. In fact, I tried to go out and paddle twice yesterday, and it rained on me both times. I can't get sick. i got to start touring. So I um, surrendered, <laughs> so I had no paddling yesterday. But, I, you know, it came on me when I was at Royal Palms on the bike today, and I was not going to. I wrote it out, mm. so got a little muddy, not bad. And now it's all gone and sunny, so. Yeah, and last weekend was totally bacon. Here, you can uh, wait on that. You can come over here and talk. Because <laughs> <Okay. laughs> that's in the second hour. Oh, we, okay. we have a guest who drove from uh, downtown L.A., this uh, Motoko Honda. Hello. Well, probably have to come up on the. Are you closer? Yeah. Hello. There you go. Yes. And uh, what town were you from, though? Originally. Originally from uh, well, I was born in Yokohama, which everybody knows. Then I actually moved to Sendai, where nobody knows. No, I played there in February. You did in Sendai. Yeah. Where in Sendai? Box. Chop. Well, Junk box. It was in a mall. <laughs> it's a club in a mall. Well, they did. They got that like that over there. Oh really? Yeah. That when I was in Sendai, nothing really was going on. Well, I can tell that the scene is newer. This it's called Live House. Uh-huh. These little clubs called Live House. I mean, sometimes you're playing in studios. Their scene there, the underground scene, is coming on. Oh, that's great. It's like Europe. Maybe 20 years ago. It's not really like uh, U.S. or England with playing bars so much. Mm-hmm. The live houses kind of are like bars, but, but it's a little different. Uh, it's kind of rough on the bands, kind of pay-to-play thing, but the spirit, a lot of the bands are young people, mm-hmm. and they're really into getting their music out. I was really impressed. And I think the third gig of the tour was... Sendai. Oh, that's cool. Then we went over to Yamagata. Uh-huh, Yamagata. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Played with a great Yamagata band called uh, Shift, or what they say, Shifta. <laughs> yeah. They were crazy. They were kind of like a Mount Banana, you know about that band? Uh-huh. Tokyo band? Yeah, that kind of style where it jumps all over the place and very emotional. Um so from uh, Sendai, when did you end up coming here? Hmm? When? For uh, school? For yeah, college? Yeah, I went to, yeah, when I was 19, I moved to Kansas. What, Lawrence? No, very close to Lawrence, but uh, it's uh, in Salina, Kansas. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, close to Salina, smaller town called, called Lindsborough. kind of in the middle. Yes, very. So not so close to Lawrence. <laughs> Lawrence is by Missouri. So if you have a whole United States to move to, how did you pick Kansas? Well, can, at that time, I was really interested in um, learning completely different culture and meeting people. And 
I also quit playing piano, so I thought I have to learn English to obtain a job and be independent. <laughs> so I picked Kansas because there was like virtually no Japanese student, especially the college I chose to. I cho- chose specifically a very small college, which has only one other Japanese in school, yeah. Well, it's kind of in the middle of the country. Yeah, yeah, let's take it on a challenge. Yeah. Make it work. Like they say here, balls out. Yeah. Balls out? Balls out. Yeah. Like very brave. Oh. Yeah. I, I guess I was not thinking too much <laughs> until I got there, you know, just <laughs> standing Culture shock? Up. Was that culture shock moving there? Oh, 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 yes. I mean, just by standing in the airport, I was like, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Nothing. I mean, like. Because a lot, it'd be culture shock to a lot of California people. Yeah, it's just but Kansas is great. I've played there many times. Uh huh. Times. It's just so different from Japan, especially. Like I, I notice every little thing was different. Like, I mean, standing on the land, like that, you don't see any, like, building going up. So sky was com- totally big. Right, it's pretty flat land mm-hmm. too. Much, much bigger than I ever experienced in Japan. In Japan, uh. you see this much, right? <laughs> and usually it's kind of clouded. But in Kansas, almost all, all the time it's uh, sunny, even if it's cold. So it's always sunny and a big sky and wind. Like in Japan, the wind is very intricate. You know, go right, left, right, left. You know, but Kansas always one direction. Usually east, <laughs> <Blowing> <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> coming from miles, and a lot miles of away. A uh-huh. lot of the corn, a lot of sunflowers, a uh-huh. lot of wheat. Yeah, yeah. Kansas mainly wheat and, yes. and sunflowers. Sunflowers. But yeah, yeah fields yeah. of sunflowers in the sun. Uh, you know, big. They're big flowers, mm-hmm. right? And they follow, and they're tall, six, seven feet, and they follow the sun. Yeah, that I didn't see. I didn't only see them. Did you notice the uh, state highway signs? They use a sunflower. I think so. <laughs> How did I forget that one? Is that where you learned to drive? No, I tried. I don't know why I didn't learn to drive after all. I had so many great friends who always drove. Who drove you? Yeah, and I had no money to buy the car <laughs> at that time. Right, but it's probably a small town, so you could get around easy. Yeah, mostly. What was the name of the town? It's called Lindsberg. Yeah, they said it's a little Swedish town. They look really like a Swedish town. Swedish People say, immigrants. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very, very cute. Small. Very clean. Cute. Cute town. Yeah. And how long did you stay there? I, I stayed there four years until I graduated. Yeah. Yeah. I stuck there. And then you said what? Los Angeles next. Yeah, I did. I wanted it to go somewhere warm. Uh. <laughs> well, they got the hot summers. <laughs> that, that, that was too hot. Yeah. Really that was hot. the hottest place and the coldest place I ever, ever lived in. It's colder in Sendai. You know, in Jap- uh, Sendai is very cold. Yeah. Actually, it's very harsh to... For me, actually, living in Sendai was probably colder. But outside, temperature-wise, the Kansas was worst. Being outside was hor- yeah, yeah. horrific experience. Horrific? Yeah, because <laughs> I didn't know. The coldness is like 
it's really what's yeah, that? I know about it. I've been out right? Dry freeze kind yeah. of. You, it sucks out the water from the skin, so it's like mm-hmm. you can feel the pain, and uh, you know the, your jeans is like ice. You know, you get into the home and it's still cold because your leg is attached to the <laughs> jeans. <laughs> and then you went to school here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I went to Valencia. Technical Arts. Cal Arts, yeah. Right. Now, uh, you started music young. Yes, I did. Oh, we should just say what we played. We started off with John Coltrane doing uh, Ascent, and then uh, something you picked. MTJK Quartet. MTKJ Quartet. I'm MTKJ Quartet. Quartet. You know what that stands for? Yes, there. It's Their like names? the name name of the guys, like uh, Jason Mayers, Chris Steiner, Paul Kikuchi, and Ivan Johnson. Their, yeah, they picked the last Jay, names. That's, yeah, that's the last names. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. And uh, yeah, I hate your teapot. Yeah. They've got a new name now. They're called Empty Cage. Now they're called Empty, Empty Cage. Quartet. <laughs> yeah. I think people had a hard time saying it, MTJK, and they said, I, somebody said... Empty cage. Yeah, empty <laughs> cage is more like... It's sounds, like it. Yeah, it's like, yeah. but it's you know, much Phonetic, easier. Uh, yeah. 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 You know, so, yeah, so they made a t-shirt, like, having the empty cage on yeah. the t-shirts and cool. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's better than the crowded cage. <laughs> um yeah, why, why'd you pick them? They're, they're all friends of yours? It's, a, yeah, very... Somebody from CalArts? Yeah, from my uh, CalArts guys. And uh, they they actually uh, one of, I mean, almost my heroes. You know, it's like really insp- you know, inspi- inspiring. Inspirational. Inspirational. Because uh, when I went to CalArts, I didn't know much about, you know, I don't know, free improvisation or kind of composed improvisation or whatever that called and these guys are so nice they showed me a composition they t- you know taught me a lot of a thing and they took me in like a family and really really helped me yeah. you know to grow yeah instead of like because your music can- tradition uh, you start on piano yeah I started and so on classical piano. music probably yeah yeah very very strict and you started at what like two or <laughs> <laughs> No, really. What, how old were you? Not that old, fortunately. Uh, I started four. 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 Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot of people start three, so I was pretty late. <laughs> That's late. <laughs> I started bass at thirteen. That's kind of early. Some, some of the punk scene people just started playing right when they started. Mm-hmm. Like Joe Biza taught himself guitar at twenty-seven. Hmm. He's a painter, drawer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I want to play guitar. Twenty-seven. That's yeah, nice. Dude, Pee Wee Creighton, he started when he was forty. Forty, see? Oh wow. Yeah. So Four's kind of young. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you're doing classical music and piano. Yes. Yeah. You said when you went to Kansas, well, you quit piano. Yeah. Why? Um. Ah, uh, that's a really long story. But uh, well, you know, four years to. I mean. I studied four and until nine, 19, it's a very long, long time. 15 years on piano. Yeah, and uh, I think as I grew up, it got more intense and intense. And uh, as much as I admire how the Japanese education system works, a lot of pressure. Oh, stress. It, 
I think, yeah, I don't think I was cut out for... Took the fun out of it. To that... At four stress. years old, did you pick it? Or did your parents have something to do with it? <laughs> well, my mom said that... Uh, my, we got a little organ from our relatives, and she said I was already playing, kind oh, of having so fun. Yeah, and uh, so I can't c- even remember what I was fucking doing it for. <laughs> <laughs> no, so you I know? told my mom that I no, wanted. I don't know, like playing with my own shit or something. <laughs> I, I, didn't even, I don't think I, I remember the first memory of an instrument. Maybe I was six. I remember there was a toy piano in some uh-huh. house that we visited, but I don't even. Like even when I came to California when I was ten, uh, we play records and take baseball bats and pretend we were playing. We didn't even know people with guitars. And shit. I was in uh, Navy housing, and uh, not a lot of music. I mean, it's different now. Music is much more accessible to young people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You know, yeah. just regular rock music and stuff. Yeah, yeah. I guess if you're in a family that has instruments. As a musician, parents, maybe you know, but just average people, you want to play rock and roll. It's a lot easier nowadays. Mm-hmm, yeah. More stores, more uh, instructional videos. We have any of that stuff when we were young. So I, I really didn't know. Uh, there was a scene in the U.S. in the 60s with garage bands and stuff. But mm-hmm. by the time the 70s came, like I was 13 in 1970. It all went to really big rock, arena rock, you know? So the club scene disappeared. So I didn't know about clubs until Punk came. And I was 18, uh, 76, and ah, you could go to these little clubs where music was, and you could see people just starting out playing. A lot different than just playing with your friend in the bedroom. You never even thought you could play for other people. Yeah, because the gigs were huge. So only certain, like, Incredible musicians, mm-hmm. rock and roll stars, or something—not just anybody wanted to play. You know, go knock on the door of the Long Beach Arena. Hey, will you let me play? You know, much easier the punk scene because it's very small mm. when it started here, and so that's how I got into it. And so I'm always interested in people who played as kids. Even went to school to do music. I tried to take music in seventh grade. And they gave me the clarinet. <laughs> and after 10 weeks, the teacher said, you know what? It's enough. <laughs> <laughs> what did you back do? In front of the class, he goes, you know, you should stop wasting your time and my time and our time. <laughs> I was totally crushed. What did you do? <laughs> I guess I was lame. I guess you, it was lame. Yeah. blower. I was trying. <laughs> <laughs> it was clarinet, you know. It was a little difficult for me. <laughs> I was trying, you know, I didn't know, really know what a clarinet was. I wanted to do saxophone like uh-huh. 20 other guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enough, so I got a clarinet. <laughs> Actually, it's, I like the instruments, a neat thing. And, uh, you know, I was what, 12? I was a boy. You know? mm-hmm. And then luckily, I met this guy, and his mother put me on bass. I didn't know what a bass was either. Uh huh. But she uh, wanted us to have a band to be in the house uh-huh. after school so we wouldn't get into trouble. And stay inside and just play. So you're gonna mm-hmm. have a band and you're gonna be the bass player. <laughs> because we don't have bass player. I didn't know what it was. I didn't. You, know, you could see in the pictures it had only four tuners, but I didn't really know it was lower. Ah. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, and that 
the experience with the clarinet was so traumatic. I didn't want uh-huh. to try to take music in school anymore. <laughs> Get that. So uh, I just learned uh, copying records with my friend. Mm-hmm. Actually, a couple days ago, there was a hippie guy. Remember, this is the early 70s. Named Roy Mendez Lopez, who made his own guitars and played Bach and taught himself all this stuff. He lived in his car. Mm. He's a real hippie guy. <laughs> Beautiful man. Uh, I hadn't seen him since teenager. And somebody at the Lomax Institute traced down all the Roy Mendez Lopez's and gave me a phone number and said, Try this. And I talked to him the first time oh, in yeah. over 30 years. Wow. Yeah. Couldn't believe it. I could tell right away his voice. He had a little voice like... Like a little Hindu guy or something. (laughs) Incredible flamenco and everything. And the guy I learned music with, I don't know if you know about the Miniman, but this man was killed in a van wreck 23 years ago. That's how I got into music. But this guy, Roy Mendes Lopez, was big inspiration to him. Taught him a lot. So to talk to him again was incredible. He lives in San Diego. He had raised a family. He's retired. Wow. Yeah, I'm, and when I'm done with tour this summer, I'm gonna, he's never recorded. Wow. Amazing. Man. So I'm gonna, after tour this summer, I'm going to go down there and record him. He wow. played for me over the phone. Awesome. It was wailing. How awesome. It's beautiful. That's bitching you got to hook up with him. Yeah, what a freak. But, you know, I never even, no one playing in our town during that time wrote their own songs. Music was so much different then. After punk, a lot of things changed. I know it was a very small scene, but it put uh, big ripples in the whole system or the way people viewed music and it brought back this idea that anybody can try to write songs and stuff because no one was doing that. Is that the idea of the punk? Yeah, I, I think there was a lot of ideas. Some ideas was just freak people. <laughs> <laughs> it was, because you could tell a lot of... In fact, there was people from CalArts there, uh-huh. but not music. Art people. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah, I played yeah, a gig there art. in the early yeah. 80s. And the art, provocative art people. Yes, yes. Uh, almost anti-rock and roll. See, I saw mm-hmm. rock and roll as an old... Uh, very tame and just part of status quo and then they, they were iconoclast people who wanted to uh, make big statement make a big exhibition mm-hmm. and so they made bands you know punk bands mm-hmm. and uh, part of it was to be maybe part of what cause some of hippies was in 60s uh, want to freak people out and uh-huh. pick them up yeah so you're not really uh, into the discipline of technique and all yes. this you're just trying to blow minds yeah so that kind of attracted me too <laughs> I mean the idea of getting to be able to play and write your own songs was really intense because there yeah. was no rules the scene was very small and they let almost any they let anybody it's very anarchistic yeah 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 situation which was kind of neat open yeah yeah and sounds I, like I'm, almost I'm, like the improvisation the idea of improvisation I kind of have sounds like that anybody can write the music and I think it was borrowing from some of those right. traditions I uh, you know I didn't know about any of that music I only knew rock bands that played big arenas you know mm-hmm. so these people I met in the punk scene artistic people uh, iconoclastic minds they had lots of 
knowledge of this stuff. Uh-huh. I learned a lot. I got turned on to a lot of music. This is where I first heard John Coltrane. And mm-hmm. I thought he was doing punk, too. In fact, that's what I thought all these <laughs> people were doing punk. <laughs> they just didn't have a name for it yet. You know, <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. way ahead. And we were just part of this tradition that had been going on, and the only thing new was me finding out about it that it actually had been going on. And uh, maybe the clothes were a little different and stuff, but this idea uh-huh. of making stuff in the moment, yeah, that's that's the way our town is on the <laughs> What was that? Somebody making noise. Someone's happy. All right. Yeah, something very happy. It's not the ship. So, but this... this uh, academic idea of improvisation is uh-huh. probably what went down at CalArts that you were I guess so about. yeah it wasn't much people pink hair <laughs> <laughs> actually it wasn't just pink hair it was like anything there really wasn't the, the punk at first wasn't really codified there was not one way to do it whatever everybody, you want it to be <laughs> yeah everybody was trying to there were some pictures of people in England you uh-huh. know <laughs> Some people in New York City would come and play the Ramones, and but there was not a real idea of what it was supposed to be yet. Mm-hmm. So that's probably a good thing, no? Yeah, it was yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I, make it I, more I, accessible. Yeah, I think when things got kind of figured out, it got kind of stagnant. In fact, that's when oh, brother Matt, you're hotline. But there's this first impression I got from that movement. And then seeing you play when you did the Doe's gig, uh-huh. it reminded me of that 30 years ago. Oh, cool. The same spirit. Yeah, where you're just trying to make the moment alive and not rely on uh, almost sleepwalking, connecting dots, uh-huh. you know, buttons <laughs> automatically pushed. Well, yes, a lot of yes, music yes. gets like this, especially this idea of genre. Uh-huh. which is probably a marketing thing, so you can sell the right thing to the right person, so there's hardly any exploration, any adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really liked about big impression on me in the early punk scene for me. And then with you and your band mm-hmm. playing at Charlie O's. <laughs> yes. Downtown. Yeah, I played there once maybe 15 years ago. That was the last <laughs> time I played there. I like, Did it look same or different? No, they knocked the ceiling. The ceiling was a lot lower. Oh, okay. That's an old building. It's... It's like a really long time. 20s or something. Yeah, a long time ago. But I hadn't played a gig there in, in quite a while. But to see your band, it really was like... And I have tried, you know, because I've played with Nels Klein since early 90s now. And yes. he, from 70s, has been, been doing improvisation music. I heard you guys play. I, I was checking out the internet. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yes. And his brother Alex has been part of that scene. Yes. And, and I know Vinny. Yes, Vinny, yes. All of Jeff those. Uh, Gattier, uh, yes, Jeff, yes. And these guys, for them, improvising is nothing. Nothing? They, no, it's part of their culture. They've been doing uh-huh. it a long time. I see. And uh, me and uh, I played with Nels in a band called Banyan with Stephen Perkins. Uh huh, yes. That's what I was looking at. We tried it. Sounded, re- sounded really great, yeah. Uh, of course, we're kind of. Nels isn't so much, but me and Perkins coming from so much rock and roll, we're, uh, it's hard to break free of that stuff. Yeah? Yeah, I tell you. <laughs> It's it's very difficult. I actually don't know much about what exactly you know. We talked about how I am genre deaf thing, right? Yeah, but so I, think I that's don't. A good thing. <laughs> I don't know what the rock is really. So I'm. I think I can kind of hear the trace of it, but I really can't tell if 
you are, you know, struggling with that idea or not, really. I just hear your sound. Yeah, well, I hear it. <laughs> I mean, there's certain motifs that rock and roll has. But I like those energy. Energy. I like those energy, though. I the always kind of looking for motifs. Motif. Yeah, like the scales. Uh huh. In the rhythms. You don't like. I mean, no, you like it's it. Not, it's not. I don't like it, guys. It's part of me. It's the, the the first music I've come up with. But uh-huh. sometimes you want to get get off uh-huh. and uh, not have reruns. Uh, same, same, same. And explore or share with people who don't exactly come from same traditions, yeah. and uh, letting go. Sometimes you have to learn how to do this. Yes. Or you just uh, keep reinventing your own wheel. Uh-huh. I, I find, and uh, it's hard sometimes. Yeah, I think it, I I can understand. I mean, for me, actually doing improvisation like first time, I played in the Calarts was very scary. The, I mean, I always improvised since I was kids, but for some reason, you know, through those classical education, I thought it's, it's it was something you hide. You're supposed not to do. You <laughs> you're for some reason, because it's really, and when I think about it, it's really, you're not playing anybody else's music, so you're really exposing yourself, right? So, and... And I supposed to practice, not improvise. So, you know, I developed a lot of the sense of a very hum- humiliating feel of that. So, I mean, just doing it or being in front of people doing it. Being in front of people, I, I was very happy when I was doing it. But by yourself, by myself, yeah. that was something I should do at home alone when nobody's around. Then I was very happy. But then, as soon as somebody else around, and it's very. You know, embarrassing. It, I mean, it took a while to feel that way. I think I developed that feel. I think throughout my teenager, but I still get embarrassed playing in front of people. I mean, I do too, but uh, it was <laughs> that more intense. Like somebody else's songs, it could be cover songs. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but, <laughs> Not much of an entertainer. <laughs> yeah, but I think Calor's really helped me to break that because they just said, you know, I had to play, you know, whether I feel embarrassed or not. So throw you out and do it. I just had to do <laughs> it. Into the fire. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Do you remember your first uh, performance there? First performance? I tried to think. You mean public performance? Or? Well, for the school, you know, it was probably in a classroom. Right? Or your very first experience of that is actually the improvisation piano lesson with Brian Pezzone, who's a great, great improviser. Um, I took lesson with him first before I went to the Leo Smith uh, Performer Composer program, <laughs> which emphasizing more improvisation. Because I, I got to the CalArt first as a keyboard piano performer program. So I took the piano lesson with Brian, and he said, okay, just pray. I couldn't. I just completely froze. You needed the music in front of you. I just, I needed the music. When you went to Kansas... For four years, yes, you didn't play piano. Uh, it's good question. I well, I ended up graduating as piano and percussion performance, but when I first got there, I was going to be psychology major. 
I try not to play the piano. That's how I remember. I try not to practice. I try just not early to play. Experience, you just hated it. Yeah, just well. At that time, I was determined to not to be a musician or music major ever. Wow. So I just wanted to do something, something else. So that's why I picked the percussion. Right. 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 <laughs> There's no keys. So I just, you know, I can just enjoy. And it's completely different style of music, too. I learned, uh, you know, rock and funk and, you know, those little rhythm stuff from my drum set teacher. And, uh, yeah, so, but there was this great pianist, um, Mr. Mooring, Robert Mooring. Uh, he, he just kept, you know, Almost bugging me in you know, that. Get back to the piano. Just play the piano, play the piano. <laughs> so I started doing a little bit, little by little, you know, without pressure too much. Yeah, that really, I guess. So when you come me. to Cal Arts, you say, I'm, I'm going to do yeah. keyboard. Yeah. 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 That's well, how I picked Cal Arts. But when you were in Kansas, were you doing improvisations? You know, I think when I almost. Going back in in the process of going back to the piano, I felt like that if I play the piano ever again, I wanted to do a little bit more freer. Yeah, right. Yeah, something. Because when uh, back home, you weren't in any rock bands or anything. You just played the classical. Yeah, yeah. I was was just so busy. Um, yeah, totally classical. Um, like really, really strict program and uh, you practice hours and hours you're not going to dirty yourself with the Jerry Lee Lewis rock and roll song I had you know it's funny thing is I for some reason I, I think I stuck in this busy schedule so I even didn't have any time to listen any any listen. <laughs> music not even you know I didn't buy CDs I only bought the CD which I am playing you know some piano repertoire as a research Mm. You yeah, know, yeah. yeah. To listen like different I'm play piano. This piece, yes, I want to yeah. hear how this other cat. Did. Yeah, exactly. And uh, all other music I heard was my brother. You know, buy, would buy the CD. You know, the Japanese rock band. Then I would hear that he's listening in his room through the wall. Yeah, or something. <laughs> That's all right. Hard. Pretty much no radio. I didn't hear much radio. Just go home, practice. You're so tired, so you sleep. Go to school. Wow. You just go back, practice, Rigorous sleep. Schedule, huh? <laughs> it was so hard. I, I was never be as busy as I was at that time. I think that's why I, I couldn't you keep doing so, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't keep sense. doing it. There was no life. So you go to Cal Arts <laughs> and you start, you're playing with these people that are very open. It's really, really open, yeah environment much different so different that uh, I mean I think it it was funny because in Kansas so I uh, go back to the music but of course my piano teacher thought I should go to more um, classical or like if I go to jazz like no stakes or so somewhere like more teaching the traditional jazz program or you know New England, Eastman, those conservatories they recommended, and I was like, I, n- no, it's not what I want. I should look for something that I really wanted to study. So I had to research, you know, 
the music school, which offered seemingly what I wanted to study, like all over, I, you know, psychopedia, basically. I researched all of them, and I found the cowards. Right. Yeah. And your per- first performances were probably for class, for school. Yeah, you know. But did you start doing public ones, like putting bands together? <laughs> or being part of bands? Yeah, you know. While still in school? Like, my specific memory about public performance in Calots, especially this uh, free improvisation or this my own music presentation was that. So, first two years I spent in the performer uh, program, then third year I I decided to be in the performer composer program with uh, my mentor, Leo, Leo Smith. And it was first year for me. Oh, the trumpet? Yeah. 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 Oh, he's so awesome. So this is his method of teaching me that I was probably one of the most unexperienced improviser in the program. Yeah. And he said, okay, there is the Creative Music Festival in October. You are going to put the band together and you're going to play. Among with all these crazy great musicians. It's like, no. I told him, I never done it. And he said, that's why you're doing it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, no. But that's, uh, that's how he kind of really helped me, like pushed me on the edge. So I had to really act like I can improvise. That's how I experienced it. Anyways, I walked into those great musicians and I had to play in the class as if I know what I'm doing. So people don't say, I'm not going to play with you, right? So, <laughs> so I can be friends with those great musicians. <laughs> so, so, you know, eventually I got the idea of who is like this and like that. So I asked, you know, some of the guys to play, you know, with me. And I put the band together. There was uh, Aaron McLendon and, um, oh gosh, I, I hope I don't forget his name. Andrew Epstein is a bassist. This really great guys that I put a trio, yeah, and I had to compose and I, you know, how I was that gig? It was really fun, yeah, really fun, yeah, and uh, that's how I met uh, Alex Klein. He was also playing was in the, brother. yeah, he was also playing in the Creative Music Festival at the same time, and after the show, he came to me and, you know, it was good. So really. I was so happy I was just so happy that I was really sweating how I was going to survive that sweating bullets (laughs) let's play some more music Thank you. 
Watt from Pedro Show. Uh, that was Parallel by Yuka Honda, and then Blue Flag by Wadada Leo Smith. And Mo, you were uh, talking about Mr. Smith. One of a great teacher for you. <laughs> Amazing. And you picked that song, right? Yes. Yes. The and you were talking about his a uh, uh, little bit a difference in the technique he uses to teach rather than what you were brought up with. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he he completely changed my you know view of. A, I mean, slowly it took a while actually. I I don't I don't know if I ever talked to Dio about it, but uh, like I was saying, like first time I took. The class with Leo, I was going in this head of, you know, just being a good student head. So I would take notes and I would try to do the homework. And next time you come back to the class and there's nothing. <laughs> I, I prepared. It's yes, there's nothing that I prepared for was going to happen, and uh, I was really thrown away. And uh, I was very confused. What? I should be learning. Well, what's to be expected of you? Yeah. yeah. Then eventually, slowly, I really started realizing that yeah, he's really teaching not technical part of anything, but uh, really to be a musician, like yeah. probably really bring out the individuality in yourself. He, and yeah. What. You yeah, whatever in, is in you, you, I'm sure. Bring it out. Yeah. Instead of you being uh, yeah, made not, into a, uh, you know, what's expected of you. Exactly. Nothing expected, actually. I think that was the thing that you're supposed to bring up something which is supposed to be in you and bring That's it. That's a beautiful on. gift then that he shared with you, I think. I know. I, I mean, I think so. I th- you know, I think a lot of students might have a hard time understanding his method, which is easy to, you know, I understand that perspective. But Yeah, but once you understand what he's trying to get out of you, it's just amazing experience. I don't think I would be anywhere near how I feel, you know, close to the music and all that, you know, feel if I didn't study with Leo. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I was Much just, respected. yeah, it's really just being with Leo, you know. It was not even feeling about you actually studying, but really do whatever he <laughs> tells, tells me to do and follow and looking at his, you know, direction and whatever. You know, he has this look <laughs> <laughs> looking at me. I've seen him play. I love his playing. Yeah. Uh, well, at the end of the first hour of the May 25, 2008, from Pedro Show, hold tight for hour two. May 25th, 2008. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show.
start out the second hour with um, something Mo picked, Matthew Ship, uh, electromagnetism. You want to tell us something about that? He's great. I saw him playing um, in the Bansdale Gallery Theater. I think it was it last year. Just he just he just improvised. Yeah. But it just sounds amazing. I just admire his. I mean that track. You know, it's my favorite. Anyway, but it's hard. I mean, it's hard to capture, especially the concert setting. But I think it, on the CD, it, I can hear that the, how like he's you were energy, actually there. Yeah, that energy. I mean, I try to pick something that it's captured my. You know my feeling in at that concert because it's yeah. obviously it's a different thing but he has this great energy that so free and you know we talked about over the internet about how I like to feel people's guts. guts yeah that's how I feel like just so honest yeah and as the piano soloist you know it's just so great to hear that yeah and then you picked this other one here on the verge of redundance by well it was an excerpt because it's actually a 43 minute piece by uh, Leticia Castaneda mm-hmm. you want to say something about that? yeah I met her long long time ago when, well not too long time ago I think 6 or 7 years ago yeah and uh, well actually hmm how to go about this there's another also in a very similar style in music. His name is Mitchell Brown, who also I you know I really like. Um, both of them are playing this music. Like you're talking about, it's not really synthesizer. They use a synthesizer too, but really sometimes they make the instrument. Sometimes yeah. they record you know music from. Uh, other places and just do this create completely different kind of sound word that I didn't experience before it's yeah. new for you yeah. especially when I met them the Mitchell was doing this piece like starting out from just one note right? it's not even note like and it goes on and 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 on and on and on, and on right? It's changing, really. It's subtle, yeah. Little by little, but when you're sitting and listening, just like, it's just great. Mm. You know about some cat named uh, Lamont Young? Who, who? Lamont Young. Lamont, mm, I'm not good There's at this thing in New York City called the Dream House. Okay. He's got a piece that's been going for six or seven years, maybe longer, it's, and it's supposed to go to another seven. I mean, it's like a 12-year piece or something. Oh. Uh, I don't know exactly, but it's a number of years, one song. Oh, wow. So what you do is you go to this pad, and you just sit for some of it, and it's just something he came up with called uh, even temper tuning or something. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know the exact name of that. but So it's this big chord that's set up, just... Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, it's for years. Is it changing or it's kind of same? I think it's kind of changing. Little by little, maybe. Yeah. I, don't, I wonder how they, why, how, how it's... How it's being played? Yeah, or Probably how it's changing. Synthesizers. 
and there's a program. Mm hmm. Wow. To t- slow, or maybe it's just setting up this fat so cord for like pilot. 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> the autopilot. Yeah, it's, it, it is autopilot. I, I don't think anybody was playing there. And I went there in August. It was so sweaty, and I sat up <laughs> in that thing, you know. It's all dark. They got some lights, and I just laid there on the deck for like a half hour and experienced it. It was a trip. It can be very trippy, you know, because yeah. yeah, we're all conditioned to uh, for a lot of event stuff. Things have to keep uh-huh. happening yeah, yeah, to get yeah. your attention. So to let go of that, maybe it's a little closer to nature, like wind or mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, water. Make you listen. To- yeah. Make you listen. Make you pay make attention. You a, yeah, that's a great idea behind music because a lot of times it seems it's just a background thing for social trips. Yeah, I like uh, this um, person I played on the last show. They, they don't like to sing words because they think that words detract from the song. They're just into the music um, and creating a piece and not having like like oh baby baby your head's gonna go as soon as you hear those words or whatever the words are is gonna relate it to your experience instead of just enjoying the yeah. music so that was kind of an interesting philosophy for the singer to have she didn't sing words but she used her voice yeah yeah totally yeah. like Beautiful. an instrument it's interesting do you mind you know about her no she makes really crazy things with her voice uh, then we played um, some of your music, uh, an excerpt from a piece called Heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to be, well, I, I hope uh, coming up soon, it's supposed to be my new CD. <laughs> yeah, you were telling me you were irrecitant about putting stuff out. I was? What? You don't like... Uh, uh, release CDs of your music you like them in the gig oh uh, yeah yeah well I'm just getting over it that's why this year really from beginning of this year I just decided to record but before that I had uh, a lot of recording but I never wanted to listen to myself or like I had no intention to release and or I just didn't feel good about it I think Something. Yeah, I, I hated the recording and the idea of he- recording for yeah, some yeah. reason. Yeah, I once I thought that I will never record. You just want to play live. Yeah, I thought that because live has so much great experience. But not only that, I think my reluct you know reluctance. Yeah, good one. To the recording was probably something related to how something inside of myself that you know still kind of embarrassed oh, you know yeah. still embarrassed I mean like I just see so many great musicians and amazing musicians always always around me I just never felt like good enough or I mean whatever it is just embarrassing yeah. you know and I didn't I hate listening to myself that's another thing I couldn't stand critical Listening, yeah, because it sort of sounds different. Mm. Yeah, so. Like hearing your own voice. Yeah, yeah. Talking. Like, no, like, this God, is not that, that I fucking think. idiot. That's <laughs> yeah, like me on my own radio show. Sometimes I'm hearing it myself and it's like, God damn. <laughs> <laughs> the shame. 
but the, you know, but something about recordings, like they'll be here when you're gone. Yeah, and you know, when you're not here to do the gigs. It'll be kind of neat if you leave some. Yeah, and, audio. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, yes, that's a yeah. life of its own. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and also I started. Even if you're not satisfied, in a way, uh -huh. you let it go, and it has its own life. Yeah, yeah. I noticed that letting go is important. Um, that and also. I mean, actually, I had a hesitance actually doing even. I mean, I love live performance, but the last several years I didn't perform too much because, again, I had something stuck in my head that I didn't want to play because I was kind of embarrassed too. So now I'm letting it go because I really started noticing if I don't play, I don't grow. If I don't record, I don't grow either. So it's really. <laughs> you have to get over the embarrassment and do yeah. what you can do the best. You know, forget about there are so many great musicians because there are always there. And you know, what can I do? I cannot be better than them ever, <laughs> never. <laughs> so yeah, they I can just be different play. than them. Yeah, exactly. And then listeners bring their own ears, which you're not really in charge of anyway. So they make up their own mind. So you have to let go there. Yeah, I really decided that I have to accept where I am and really enjoy, because that's improvisation is also, that I think that is what uh, improvisation is about too, you know, really accepting this each yeah, moment. Right. So if I'm really against it, then why, why do I play anyways? Mm -hmm. So, you know. Well, it might be... Uh from early on, stuff way uh, below your consciousness because of all that regimented learning, mm -hmm. what was right, what was wrong. Mm -hmm. So that critical mode probably yes. keeps forcing its way up there. Mm -hmm. Even though you said no to that world, it's still hard. Yeah, yeah, I think it's still there. In some ways, it's always keeping me on the edge or it helps me to always listen critically but yeah 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 but in the same time the other bad side is sometimes i think too hard yeah too much yeah and stops me from doing whatever so I you're coming out with this cd and then this heartbeats part of it part of it yeah. yeah so hopefully you know a lot of the things so i actually did three recordings i mean so this year supposed to be i have three cds so it'll be interesting <laughs> Yeah. I will see. Whoa. Completely different. That is the solo piece with, I mean, solo project with the electronic yeah. devices, you know, acoustic piano uh, connecting to the electronics. So everything is coming out from piano sound. So basically, I'm playing music with my music type of thing. The other CD was the, um, like, um, more about the story from be this, from beginning to end. There is a story about mm -hmm. this kind of a bird, white bird we call, and traveling through. But it's a little bit more intricate. Um, there is a poem to it. There is a word to it. There is singing to it. The other one was the, with the Andrea Centazzo and the Kai Kurosawa. That's completely different. That's the trio stuff, and it's actually it's Andrea's composition, and um, yeah, that's 
completely different. Now he's got his composition, and then you improvise from that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so that's yeah. kind of a combination. Mm-hmm. That's sort of what I did in Tokyo. Like one person would bring a motif that they had already kind of got together. The other two people had not heard it before, mm-hmm. so they had to be spontaneous. Already recorded, or ju- no. just they have a little. They had already prepared so they could play it. Uh huh. I see. We had we we were planning to do fifty-three. Yeah, it's a lot. We ended up with sixty. <laughs> well, there was fifty-three little pieces of poems. That's what the whole uh-huh. <coughs> impetus of the project was to put music under. This friend of mine, Richard Meltzer, he recorded 53 little spoken word poems. So the idea was put music under them. And they, I mean, they don't know English so well. And, and plus, he uses a lot of irony and satire. And so uh-huh. they, they, they couldn't tell really what uh-huh. he was talking about. They could kind of get him some emotion of his voice. But mm-hmm. I just said, look, there's 53. Each of us take 18, come up with 18 ideas. Yeah. And then when we meet together, we'll take turns. Mm-hmm. Play uh, one motif, then the other two hear it, and they have to re- uh, respond to it in the moment. And that's what we'll record. Yeah. Then we'll put the poems to the music after. Uh-huh. It, it, God, it was hard. I mean, their English is coming. Hmm? Their English、It、is, is coming, coming, but it was still, you know. Yeah, in Japan, you know, we we learn so much. Get it in school, but they don't use it. No, it's very hard to use. That's that's exactly why. That's in, why you can't. I can't. <laughs> and I went to Kansas. That was the idea. Yeah, If I can speak English,、thing. I can get job. But then, but then, think of another layer:、uh, irony and satire, where you're making fun of the accepted meanings of words. You mean in English? Yeah.、Uh-huh. Well, because Richard's speaking in English.、Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know how far he is with his Japanese yet, but he was using English. <laughs> but he's not using English like a guy on the street. He's using it、uh, as artistically and abstractly、uh-huh. with humor. Yeah, yeah.、Oh. In fact, a lot of it's black humor, which is a certain、that's, kind of satire. That's really hard.、Right? Yeah, it's like something that's funny but not really funny <laughs> because it's about something. So, so you try. You can't really. It, it's very difficult to translate that to somebody, especially me who don't have any. Japanese language skills, so、uh, I couldn't. So I said, "Don't worry about it." After, after, I, you know, I'll be able to put his poems to yeah, music. Yeah, yeah, and, and that can and, be. And, and, they, and they are coming along, and and plus, big difficulty with me. And maybe you didn't have his slang. Slang. Yeah, we don't all use the same English here. I mean, in fact, in my own little town here in Pedro, a lot of people don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> so I can、yeah. imagine. You know what I mean? Yes, I mean I. Even at a Columbia Records, they made a little word book of my slang. Oh, you they, did. They didn't. They called it Pedro speak, but they didn't really understand that a lot of people in my town don't know what I'm saying.、That's、you get insulated into your own worlds, and you start using shorthand. Uh huh. You know, but other people don't know what you're talking about. Even if they know the word, you're using it much differently. Yeah, yeah. So there's these kind of problems. Some of them are neat problems because they、uh, I like because they、uh, push individuality and stuff, but it kind of hurts with communication a little bit sometimes. But it's great for art and stuff, you know, because it's it's abstract. So that's how we did it.、Uh, it wasn't totally jamming. 
because somebody would have an, a motif yes. ahead of time. And because we only had three days, that's mm-hmm. why I, I wanted to do this. It was kind of yeah. a, a mechanism to help. Yeah. Sometimes, because I'm not that good. That's what I learned from improvising people. Improvising sure. people, you You're come good. up with 60 different pieces. See, I was afraid of, uh-oh, I'm going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So I'm going to prepare 18. I knew I was having to do something different with their stuff because I hadn't heard it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the 36, whatever they did. That's a great idea. You know. But the 18 I did, I made sure they were kind of a little different. Mm-hmm. Ahead of time, it came them up. And uh, whoever's turn it was, they would play the little bit. Mm-hmm. The other two would listen, play around with it. Okay, you got something? Let's go to record it. Move on. Move uh-huh. on. Otherwise, it would, it would have never been able to do it. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was a short sp- space of time. I knew they were good enough and sensitive enough they could do it. Uh, they don't really come from improvised school either. What they're they're almost like the rock and roll version of your classical training. <laughs> All right. <laughs> like the drummer, <coughs> drummer usually plays the click track. Click what? Oh. In the ear. Uh huh. Oh, really? Yeah. For the Very discipline, for accuracy. Yeah, accuracy <laughs> in proper recording session yeah, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, they yeah, have. Yeah. Even uh-huh. at gigs, there's there's bands who play with these things. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't. I haven't yet had them. That's so funny. <laughs> That's how I used to play the classical music too. With the metronome. I I, I did, but I mean, after a while, you're supposed not to use it. But yeah. uh, no matter how much I practice, I remember I had some recording from you know when I was young. <laughs> right. I listen listen to it when I after I moved here. Then there's like, wow, it's exactly <laughs> right. I mean, it's just absolutely perfect. In a beat was it's almost scary. I don't know how I could ever done it. A lot of practice. <laughs> exactly. I don't even remember how much I practice now. It's really mm. weird. I can't imagine practicing that much anymore. I mean, for better or worse, I guess. I kind of want to practice that much now, but like practice mental- different. Different and the mentality of that, you know, it's completely different. I think. Like we talked about that once you stopped playing, first I went through the physical mm-hmm. problem. Yeah, yeah. Then after that, actually now I'm facing with mental problem. Mentally, I can't handle it. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of keep pushing, 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 you know, to, I don't know, raise the discipline level or whatever that is. That yeah, yeah. Some kind of mindset, you know. Very harsh it could be good, I think. I don't know, I'm still kind of figuring out, you know. Mm. I kind of like feel, I like that feel Continual too, Continual fine-tuning. <laughs> yeah, well, life is about a learning thing. Does it ever finish, really? Right, yeah. So you go through different things. And you revisit some things with a different slant because you're in a different place, but maybe some of them techniques now have different understanding because where you're at as a person. Uh, we're going to do the... Brother Matt Spin Cycle, but a little different because uh, some talk on myself, I kind of jam. She's going to use his uh, Pete Mazich's uh, Hammond organ that yeah. I brought. Thank you, Pete, for lending yeah, it. Pete. And her own uh, Nord Lead 2. Cool. It's a, I guess it was the first uh, keyboard you bought? Uh, yes. 
okay, uh, electronic thing, and I'm going to play this bass here, and uh, that's, it's coming right up. Cool.
Oh, 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 oh,
From Pedro's show, we uh, did did our jam. <laughs> no, don't worry. Oh, uh, Lord. it's the third hour of the Watt for Pedro show, May twenty fifth, two thousand eight, and uh, I'm going to play you the conclusion, part eleven of Jack Flanders in Dreams of India. Jack. Uh oh. I'm in Madame Chatterjee's room. She's sitting there. She doesn't see me. But she does see him. He's tall, slender, in a white turban, a long white robe that, that touches the floor, and a beard, long, white, and silky. It's like a dream. I ask that you release me. No. I promised, and so it came to pass. You must also honor your promise. I won't live without you. The time has come. I must join your niece. It was agreed. No, you cannot leave me. The niece, Kamala. If you leave me, I will die. This is not meant to be. Why continue my life? To be old. To be alone. You have my love. Why did you come to me? It was your aunt who released me, so I could pass on to you. It was agreed. Stay with me, please. I cannot stay. You must release me. I will never forgive you. No. Lalita, you know that those who are born in illusion and grow up in illusion. Never recognize Maya for what it is. The whole world is Maya. All attachments are Maya. Death is Maya. All that you see and think is Maya. <laughs> <laughs> 
This life itself is mine. Where are all those kings and emperors who were so proud of their accomplishments? They have all been ground under the wheel of time. Days, months, years, and yugas have all merged into each other. Time is one continuous flow, and in this flow, everything and everyone, every object and every person is being washed away. A thing which is being washed away in the flow of time cannot become the support of another thing which is itself being washed away. I will die, but you will go on. You are always here. The only permanent entity who is not being washed away by time and who can take care of all is God. He alone can protect everyone. He is the stable bank for this unending river of time. Hold on to Him. That is the secret of life. Believe in God. Do not believe in the world. That is the way to live. How can I forgive you when you leave me? We are God. Forgive me. Forgive yourself. Yes, I will forgive myself. He's fading, fading into the morning light. Hmm? Oh. Oh. Why are you in my room? Well. Uh, How long have you been standing there? I don't know. I see. I see too. I beg your pardon. I see what's happened here. Ah. That was my voice he was using. Yes. Well, I guess it's time to go. I'll be leaving this morning. Who was he? Someone who, who comes to you. It is his work. It is how he serves. I see. Do you? No. But I will. One day. You look different this morning. Oh? How? More radiant than usual. Like someone in love. <laughs> <laughs> well. Ramchandra has the car ready to go. So you'll come back and see us, Jack. I may. Kamla, I think your life is going to be rather interesting. Maybe someone will write a book about you. Perhaps. Okay. I'd better go. Mr. Flanders. Oh yes. Thank you, Jack. I'm glad I could help. In the words of Tagore, the leaf becomes flower when it loves. The flower becomes fruit when it worships. Mm. Dark clouds become heaven's flowers when kissed by light. Mm. <laughs> 
clouds come floating into my life from other days, no longer to shed rain or usher storm, but to give color to my sunset sky. The fish in the water is silent. The animal on the earth is noisy. The bird in the air is singing. But man has in him the silence of the sea, the noise of the earth, and the music of the air. <laughs> Goodbye. Mr. Gore be with you. Madam Chatterjee asked I give you this letter. Oh, oh thank you, Ramchander. Hmm. I wanted to say Okay, that was part 11 of, uh, in the thrilling conclusion of Jack Flanders and Dreams of India. Hey, Jack. Hey, Jack, you did it again. And uh, we were talking to Mr. Toka about the jam we just had. And, um, no, you know, this uh, idea of rhythm in African rhythm, can, can you uh, tell us about that again? What I learned was that uh, there's unit of rhythm which is, for, in my opinion, it was very hard to, you know, um, understand in a, you know, Western music type of sense, you know, 6, 8, uh, 9, 8, we cannot put the meter, so basically you have to internalize the rhythm pattern, then the, as the reader has the, you know, calling, so, you know, some kind of pattern, music, um, rhythm pattern to call it, then everybody has to change and shift together, but all those patterns are totally internalized yeah yeah right right so it's not so much like a one two three four right a straight know. math uh, machine driven kind yeah, of yeah it's so for me it's so organic that's why that I mean we are, uh, we are talking about or what we are talking about was that so I might perceive the rhythm more like that way for my own you know Improvisation, right. unless somebody tells me not to do it, or if in there's certain songs you have to, you know, play with, then I, it's not a problem because <laughs> 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 it's like a classical music. I have the training to do that, but uh, right, right. I think I like more that organic feel. I guess more emotional, more in touch with feelings. Yeah, because it's hard to play with certain strict rhythm. Yeah, that can be. And I'm more concerned about it. It's hard to let the music breathe. I guess so. Like you're saying, like a heartbeat, right? That yeah, heartbeat changes. I it remember, does yeah, with emotion. Yeah, I remember when, even when I was learning the classical repertoires that one of the teachers saying that it's it is like the beat is not definite, you know, it's changes. Well, there's some like, rubato. Rubato? Rubato? Yeah, rubato is a singing style and the 
Actually, in the piano music, we more likely rubato on the right hand, the melody and left hand actually keep it steady, the ah. strict rhythm. So eventually in the plus minus zero, it's go back to exactly okay. where it should be. But um, I think what she was trying to say, I don't remember, I had so many teachers, so I don't remember exactly who it was, but it's kind of stayed with me, you know. Because after practicing with metronome so many years, <laughs> you know, I was like, that's cool, you know. I can change it if I feel like Yeah, it. but it might have natural <laughs> rebellion <laughs> against. against. Yeah, so with us a lot of times, you know, when rock and stuff, little loops, tiny loops are rhythms. Uh-huh. The hi-hat, the snare, hi-hat, snare, hi-hat, snare. The bump, the bump, the bump, the repeating motifs over and over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's almost like a uh, wheelchair to help. But it's... Uh, and it's steady, right? Yeah, that's the thing. Uh-huh. I mean, there's... Uh, that Stravinsky stuff, which is very machine-like sounding, but it uh-huh. keeps changing. Oh, changing. The right of sp- sp- uh, spring. Yeah, the tempos kept changing. Uh-huh. Even though basically it sounded like the same sewing machines. It's very hard, very uh-huh. difficult, I can imagine. But I think part of this comes from modern living with all the machines. We're always hearing these yeah. repetitive rhythms. Yeah, we can we like it actually. The we motors like yeah. in the car. I noticed with the the more recent editing in movies, very quick. Mm-hmm. Nothing's long shots. <laughs> it's just always changing, changing, changing. And these have its own pulse and beats to them and everything pixelated and staccatoed and clipped creates the ADD world yeah maybe that's what it is <laughs> tension just can't handle it, it has to be flipping, flipping, flipping maybe I'm in the ADD mode right now yeah. I can kind of stay with the same thing but I guess I have a tendency to always get out it's okay, like let's change. some options so you can just keep yeah. shifting let's gears change. Oh, of that, do this and let's see if I change if anybody else is following <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I mean, the whole idea of a, a band, right? You get, you're trying to make a conversation out of it. Huh? But what I hear, it's like you're, lo- you're looking for uh, newer language to communicate between the band members. Rock and roll now is such a tradition, you know, it's very familiar. And so I wonder uh, if it's sometimes not communicating. It's like reenacting the, the, the ceremony, the pageant that we're all very used to, and everybody play their roles. And this music, it's like, no, it's time to wake up and start living again, because you're in a daydream that caught on re- rerun. Uh, on the other hand, there's stuff like folk music, which are very old, old motifs. They've been playing for generations. Mm-hmm. But they put so much emotion into the playing mm-hmm. that they're alive. Been working all day. Now it's time to have the dance. 
that's what I dig on. They're not necessarily good musicians, but they, there's everybody's dancing and, and it's like the whole realness of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's like you don't have to be great; you just got to do it. Yeah, but there's something great about that kind of musician. Yeah. They play mm-hmm. pa- pa- passionately. Yeah. Yeah, I always look for that kind of rawness too. I'm always attracted to. Yeah, there's that something about it. Huh? Uh-huh. It's not about accuracy. Yeah, yeah, it's totally not. Because accuracy in the machine world, if you're building watches and stuff, that's really celebrated, admired. Mm-hmm. But I wonder, or like where you came from with the classical, mm-hmm. very admired to be accurate. It's oh gosh, it's just so much accurate. I don't. I can't believe how accurate I was. Now I'm very surprised. <laughs> you know? react against. Hmm? You're reacting against, maybe. Uh, I don't, actually, I want to be accurate again, too. But <laughs> yeah, well, you sense. come around now. Maybe you're coming back Yeah, home. yeah, yeah. I want to take but it as well. But with this other understanding now. Yeah. You didn't have the other understanding. Yeah. It, yeah it's totally different. I remember how much... Like somebody was saying in the classical, there is only one note, and I, I, I feel like, at least, what I understand now, I, I mean, what I feel now that, when I was practicing, that was the struggle. There is only one tiny, tiny dot of sound, you know, tone and the touch and you know, volume and everything, you know, has to be this tiny bit, have to be this way. Yeah. Only this way, otherwise I screw the entire thing up. <laughs> then you have to hit that way, <laughs> and I have so many notes in yeah. that you know, so many notes that has to be that way, and uh, that's why it was so difficult and nerve-wracking because I, I don't I don't know what I'm talking about, but I just no. Was, there was this ideal, and you always had to f- yeah be on the money with it, yeah, or perfection. you were a failure. Yeah, because I, I remember that because the other day I was thinking like, oh, how was I playing before? And then I was like, yeah, actually I didn't make really mistake back, you know, back in, in Japan. But my mistake would be I would be hitting all the notes completely perfectly. But in how I touched just a little bit was wrong. And that was a huge mistake for me. And I would go home and cry, right? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Even though it's not apparently like, yeah, a huge mistake. No, because but, yeah, the know, idea was like that. But down. it got to be this kind of sound. I just couldn't hit that way. It's it just seems, so devastating. It seems like all uh, approach in that school of thinking is everything is on purpose. Mm-hmm. And with this mm-hmm. other school of thinking, accidents are very important. Yeah. Not a problem. Not a problem. In fact, fortunate. Yeah. You want, you're looking for accidents. You're almost creating a situation where accidents can happen. Mm -hmm. Where the other world is fighting against accidents. Mm -hmm. Chance. No chance. Everything on purpose. Everything has been planned. Mm -hmm. And that precision will deliver a certain passion. Mm-hmm. This other one is like, we don't exactly know what might deliver certain unknown passions. So let accident help us. Mm-hmm. In a good accent, I know, I feel like now when I improvise, that, like, I feel like the accuracy is still important, but in a very different sense that 
I feel like I'm not so accurate when I can't hear myself, when I can't concentrate. You know, it's like if you hear really, really carefully, you hear what comes next. And that that kind of accuracy and to really follow the instinct yeah, yeah. and what you hear in your head. And because when I'm concerned about a lot of things, things I sometimes I can't hear then uh, I would just would be sweating you know <laughs> focus, <laughs> focus. <laughs> so I can be really in the moment and really follow what really there is you know it should be happening next 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 you know. right and to communicate that to the other cats in the mm-hmm. band that's right they're listening to others Okay, what about the difference between playing with people you play with a lot and then first-timers? Is it different? About how I feel? Yeah, or react in a situation. Um, Because there's probably a better chance. I don't know. Do you communicate this random accident chance stuff? Better with people who played more with you or with a complete stranger? You know, I think that's a very good question. I tried, I'm trying to think. Um, I think in general sense, it's probably easier if I have played with other people because I kind of know their habit or communication. Like, uh, like you know, having conversation like you're saying, I think I know... Yeah, I think it's like really personality and the habit you kind of knows. So I know how much I can push <laughs> with that bring. <Yeah. laughs> or like, you know, or how to back off because they need more space. Those kind of a sense to actually to make I think better result. Or at least comfortable. I'm I wouldn't say just because of that we can make better music with you know the people we already know. I think there is a great chance we can make the great music with you know somebody I never played with too. But at comfortable you know comfortable level would yeah. be a little bit different. Like today I was just hoping that I don't do too crazy or you know to. Familiar, I don't know. I don't know. Like a lot of wondering, you know. I hope I'm not doing something too strange, probably, or not too straight. You know, sometimes I or too straight. Yeah, because sometimes some people has expectation. Maybe I will do completely crazy stuff. But I like playing straight stuff too. I like playing tonal stuff too. I like playing atonal stuff too. You know, you know, Han Benek. Uh, he's a drummer from Holland who's played uh, a lot of free music since early 60s and he was on my first gig in Tokyo in that tour in February and he was telling me about some avant-garde people like no blue notes because <laughs> it's hard for a while to stay because of all the rock and roll and all the years uh-huh. it's hard to stay away from a blue note but he says that almost gets to be like just like if you did nothing but blue notes, if you never hit a blue note, 
uh, you're almost playing a game with yourself. Mm-hmm. And those become the new cliches. Yeah. And then Sam Bennett was playing drums with me. He comes from an avant-garde, the scene in the 90s in New York City. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me about this. It became the, 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 the goal of the freedom to get away from the old <laughs> blue notes and the rock and roll. Yeah. Uh, became a, a, a closed system into itself. Mm-hmm. And there was little tricks and shticks and yeah, yeah. And when I hear Coltrane, I still hear a lot of blues, even though he's taken the music into some wild things. Uh-huh. So, so the the whole idea of being a familiar, mm-hmm. straight, mm-hmm. and then crazy. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that tension's always there. Maybe that's a, a creative one, though. Maybe that's okay. Uh, something you reference to something you don't ever heard before. And like, it seems one of the goals of improvised music is the celebration of the accident. Mm-hmm. So maybe someone you haven't played with before, there's a good odd, there might be some accident. Yeah. <laughs> On some level. Yeah. But this comfort thing, to, to take chances, you, yeah, there's a weird safety. Uh. Yeah, I think so. That's... Yeah, at least it feels comfortable, I guess. <laughs> you know, with people I know, I really. Yeah, it's really. I know. I mean, it's. Uh, when I think about it, it's of course, you know, but everybody has such a different habit and uh, different preference in the sound. And uh, I guess, I, I'm sure I have some kind of habit <coughs> also. Hmm. Everybody's got different backgrounds. Everybody's got different expectations. Uh Um, But you join in the moment. Yeah. And that's another big thing about this kind of music. The moment is so big. I can understand Uh why you resist in recordings. Yeah, but that's why I think I like it. You know, like even you mentioned, I love playing a lot of new people. Right now, I don't actually have the one set group because I feel like at this moment it's so interesting to meet new people and just play and make me question in many way musically and you know, I just I change I challenge and that seems to be very what about the other way when you play in someone else's band like you're playing with um, I've I got some music here Andrea yeah uh huh so different, right? It's different. Then you're having your own band. Uh, yes, although his approach was very similar to mine, so that that made me made it very easier, easy for me to um, collaborate with him. And but the, the question I asked him was, how crazy can I be? <laughs> because he has. I want to play same. some of that music right now. Yeah. Okay. okay.
To 
Watch from Pedro's show. Watch. Yeah, thank you, Brother Matt. Sorry about that. Uh, let's see. That was Rachmaninoff, Vocalis, Opus 34, number 14, by, and it was performed by Nadja Salerno Sonnenberg. Mo, you picked that one. Right? There was a problem with the conventional critics with her kind of performance. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I usually don't know too much details, but um, yeah, I mean, her playing was praised, but you know, same time criticized because of her style. It's not conventional style of playing classical. For me, it's beautiful. I actually like I think because maybe we hear too much of her personality. I don't know. Because sometimes classical... Oh, they want the piece to, like, come through the composer's voice. Yeah, I think a lot of the times we have to project the composer's voice or ideas. But uh, I personally like to hear the performers. That's why I like Nadja. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think she really took that I don't know what she's exactly thinking, but that's how I hear it. And But I think that's why it sounds so honest. And uh, I just love her playing as if she's really talking, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And not just reciting. Yeah, and well, not, not like really. I don't think off she's. the script. Yeah, what? Well, I don't even feel like she's trying to make it sound nice or beautiful. She's just trying to play what he, she hears. Even though it's already written, she totally or takes she's it. reacting to it. Yeah, yeah. It, it takes it in. Though. Yeah. And before that, we heard uh, Sam Duke doing Lonesome Norm. Old Hank <laughs> Williams song. Token is new nice to Hank Williams. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a very emotional song. I mean, there's only three chords, but. That's, that's really right. cool. No, no, no. I think I like to sometimes. And actually, the guy who sang it's from England, so that's another trip. Really? England? My my Hank wasn't, but the man who did that song. Oh, okay. This is a beautiful thing of music. It is fabric that stretches between all humans. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great connect. You don't have to come from the tradition, really, to celebrate it, I don't think. I mean, people might have their ideas about how respectful you have no respect maybe that's what they were thinking of Naja you know maybe but I maybe they were all hung up on that they should just let it go yeah hopefully then, I'm not criticizing too much about the classical I love the classical by the way no <laughs> I just I love it Naja did too but they had a certain way they wanted her to play I think some maybe some not all but some population you know, you know the word classical is kind of weird it is weird Classical. It's almost like when they came up with that music alternative. Like, what, what? The alternative? Everything's an alternative. It's this weird word. It's like putting a spin on things. I don't know. It bugs me. <laughs> and then we started off that chunk of music with Sad Little Song, something you did with uh, Andrea, Andrea Chantazzo. Mm-hmm. How'd you meet him? How did I meet him? Um, how did I meet him? He, well, when was the very first time I tried to think? No, 
No, I, I remember exactly because he, he was uh, playing, um, I think it was Cafe Metropole where my husband present show, music show, and that, yeah, he brought in this so many percussion stuff. And well, he did that for this recording too, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so my husband is saying, "Oh, he's gonna bring a lot of stuff," <laughs> but he's a great musician, so I let him do that. It's like, <laughs> who is that? You know. So I went down and you know checked him out. Yeah. And for this piece here, he had some chords. That one, he, yeah, I don't remember how many chords, but very minimum. So enough it was to a give me. Yeah, yeah, there is definitely the composition, yeah. But there from there, you took it on the piano. That's right, yeah. Yeah, interesting. And then uh, there's another cat. What kind of guitar was that? War guitar. It's the war guitar. <laughs> I've never heard of him. Yeah, Sounds pretty. He was saying, I think that's... He... he what's that called, the word? Um specially made custom custom made you know oh it's one of a kind I think there's it's one, one of a kind guitar. I think there is only one or somebody yeah. making it for him looking bizarre and it's just, you know supposed to be very it's like almost a combination of the bass and the guitar oh you know I think there's yeah. a you know some guitar like that but I think he did something to make it even more special for him. Charlie Hunter plays it. He's got bass strings on the top. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But supposed to that it's completely different technique you have to use to play it, I think. The way yeah. he arranged it, anyways. The how yeah, right, you know, right. Kai arranged it. Yeah. Uh, Charlie plays bass lines and guitar lines on the same instrument. Uh-huh. Pretty amazing. Yeah, I know. Just like, wow. That's making my job easy. <laughs> well, the piano... Left hand, right hand, bass, treble. Yeah, that's why I get to play less. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> Do you have something from uh, the new CD? Which one, one of the three? Like we played one thing. One thing. Um, what that was the heartbeat. There. So you played the Andreas, right? That's right. Yeah, I have song. one. You know, but I think it, you might have it. I only have the four season. I didn't... Ah, then we play it. Yeah, I didn't right. have the time to cut and stuff.
from Pedro show that was uh, Pink Floyd with uh, Sid Barrett at the helm their founder uh, one of the last songs he wrote for the band Scream Thy Last Scream and before that we heard Four Seasons Toka Honda and that's going to be on one of your upcoming CDs yeah. and that was just an excerpt because how long is your original piece? Well, entire piece is about yeah. you know one hour, but uh, there I mean, <laughs> four season itself is shorter actually, but it's still long. Each each track is very long. Okay. But, yeah, but the concept is from beginning to end. It's like one huge story. One piece. Oh. Yeah. I've done a few things like that. I call them operas. Even yeah, though, yeah, something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe some people might <laughs> take issue with that. I think it's all about one thing. So mm-hmm. I was corrected by a music journalist. He said, no, that's a song cycle. Oh, okay. But <laughs> I liked opera because... More dramatic? Well, my mother's people are from Italy. So I was like, I love the tradition. Opens. Yeah, one was... I've done two of them. One was sad ending. One was happy ending. Oh, yeah, because okay. one was about a sickness that almost killed me, but I lived. Uh-huh. So it was happy ending. Yes, yes. The other one was about losing my friend who got me into music. Very yes. sad ending. Yes. Now, I have a third opera I'm going to do in the next spring. And it has no beginning, middle, or end. It's sort of about Kansas, in a way, because, well, it's got very small songs, 30 small songs. Mm-hmm. And I got the idea for each song from them little creatures in the Hieronymus Bosch paintings. I found out that those were visualizations. Well, one theory is. They're pictures of proverbs, words, Mm. aphorisms. But I don't know 500-year-old Dutch, so I just made up my own. And they're all basically like certain kind of man, because that's how they are. They're like uh, amalgamations of weird parts to make these creatures. Uh Then I put that with the story of 
a theory I have about the Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. Seeing Dorothy, right? Yeah, yeah. She's from Kansas. But uh, it, it was weird how the Scarecrow, uh, Tin Man, and the Cowardly Lion are you see them at the beginning? They're the farm hands, mm-hmm. right? And I guess she knocked her head out. She's having yeah, a dream. Yeah. But my theory, what I think Bob, the guy who wrote it, he was tripping on a coming of age story. Dorothy's growing up and she sees how the world works, and it seems like guys go through all these little weird things to prove they're men. You know, some kind of man. Mm-hmm. A brave man, a smart man, mm-hmm. oh. a passionate, a romantic man, and uh, or or like with women, not too many choices, right? The good witch, <laughs> the bad witch, <laughs> very not too equal of a world yet, then, or maybe still. But it was her tripping on this, mm-hmm. and I found myself in my middle years kind of looking at life like this I'm tripping on now we go through the rules you think everything is the way it is because that's the way it is supposed to be but I don't think so yeah you lose a lot of possibility if you just accept what is yeah and maybe when you get into the middle years you don't care anymore about the way it's supposed to be well old years is probably even more that way you know all that stuff you thought was so important Maybe it was yeah. <laughs> based on other kinds of things. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of, I thought with my second opera I was doing kind of a middle-aged thing, but I think this third one is even more. So there's no beginning, middle, or end, really. It's more a moment inside my head. Mm-hmm. And so that's my next opera. Also, I have, a, I just make that distinct from the concept record mm-hmm. like I just made with Nels yeah it's about autumn what it's autumn. about autumn uh huh Aki yes <laughs> and because it's interesting all the colors of the leaves I think it's a very creative time it can uh-huh. be for nature there you go, but it seasons. means you have to say <laughs> bye to summer uh huh but still not winter mm-hmm Definitely not spring. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned it. Because uh, the, when I was working on the four season, uh, we had, uh, there's uh, supposed to be this uh, leaf. I mean, it's a long story because four seasons are about in the middle. But anyways, it's like a kaleidoscope, you know? Kaleidoscope. Yeah. The, we, I was not going to go, okay, now spring. What's next? Summer. <laughs> Autumn, winter, you know, I wanted it to all mixed up as, yeah. as 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 if it was a kaleidoscope, but in same time still has distinction, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but oh, it kind wow. of goes flip, 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 flip. Yeah. Because in the old days, I made records. They were songs, collections of songs, mm-hmm. and the songs. Each song was its little world. Yeah. But starting with that record I made with Nels contemplate in the engine room I started thinking I can't fit all this in one song mm-hmm. I'm going to have to use songs to make one story yeah that's great and so it was like a fundamental change in my way of making music I never would have thought of a younger I would make big pieces uh-huh. 
So how did you guys approach to it? Like, so it's uh, how many tracks about? Fourteen. Fourteen tracks, and the entire thing is about uh, autumn, right? In ju- no, that, that's the new one. Oh, the new one? That's twelve tracks. Twelve tracks, okay. That, I call that less of an opera, more of a concept. Mm-hmm. Opera is like a story with the beginning, middle, end. But then yeah. I contradict myself because this third one doesn't have a beginning, middle, or end. But yeah. it's an opera because it's kind of a story, still. A concept, maybe not a story, it's just revolving around a theme. Uh-huh. And the theme is uh, uh, autumn. Every track, right? <coughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, how did you approach? Um, I mean, did you already record? I'm confused. Yeah, I did. On, you already recorded. Uh-huh. I started on April Fool's. I did it five days. Oh. Well, Nels, this is amazing. Like I was telling you earlier, uh-huh. you just show them the songs. Right. You wrote it? Yeah. You wrote it, okay. And I played it for him, and he just reacts. Mm-hmm. So, in a way, he was, like, kind of improvising. Because uh-huh. he hadn't heard it before. And I do that on purpose with Nels, because he's one of the few guys who can do this. My other bands, we got to practice and practice and practice. Uh-huh. But with Nels, you can just show it to him, and then you get this feeling that you don't get with practice. But really interests me in improvised music. Nels, I'm trying to learn from him. You know, it's tough. It's tough, uh, but a lot of things for me are tough. The other one about losing my friend, mm-hmm. I made it all happen. The life of the, our band in one day. So we mm-hmm. start early in the morning, and as we go through the day, uh-huh. that's the story of the band. Yeah. And then I paralleled that with my father's life in the Navy. Being a sailor, yeah. So, because I lost him too to cancer, yeah. And being on tour a lot is like being a sailor. Mm-hmm. He was always gone when I was boys at sea, so I thought, whoa, they're kind of close. They parallel. Mm-hmm. So, I thought the basic unit of time is the day. The sun rises, the sun sets. And you have weeks and months and years, but mm-hmm. really it's the sunrise, sun. So I said, well, I'll put the whole band in that life of a day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, would, I had an easel and I gave each part of the day a color and a, a, a different his part of our history. And yeah. I would just explain this to Nels and then he would translate it on the guitar. Yeah. And all these layers of meaning, mm-hmm. and he made music out of it. It was pretty yeah. incredible. And I, you know, I had the bass lines for him. You know, but the bass lines you kind of feel. He made the stuff that's heard. He made the thing sing. Oh yeah, I didn't let him know any of the words. I didn't. Same thing with this one. I didn't want him to be influenced. Mm. Right? Like Brother yeah. Matt was saying, that lady don't like using words when she sings. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, the singer. Yeah, yeah she uh-huh. just uses voice as an instrument. Uh-huh. Or like when you hear a foreign voice, you don't know yeah, the words, yeah, yeah. so it becomes more a different music. Less yeah. poems or speech, mm-hmm. even worse. Poetry actually is pretty. Well, we're out of time. I want to thank you for coming. Thank you so yeah, much for having you. me. Yeah. Thank you Truly. so much. Truly. And please come back. I don't love to. I want to put 
play again and yeah. see what comes mm-hmm. next. Yeah. <laughs> bring us new music and new perspectives. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, it's the May 25th, 2008 edition of Wild from Pedro Show. Thank you, Brother Matt, for aiding and abetting, as always. Born in the bag. Thank you one more time. Thank you, two of you. Really, you made me very comfortable. Okay. <laughs> Everybody, keep your powder dry.